0: Let's pray. Lord, Lord, we thank you for everything you are doing tonight, for the challenges that you've made to us so far about standing up for our faith, whether it is uh, to die for it or just living for it in the challenging everyday situations. Father, I ask you to help me right now um, in your mercy and in your grace and by your Spirit to uh, just help me to speak your word and speak truth and uh, just help us to see areas in our lives that, that we need to change in order to live and love you better. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. All right, how many of you like movies? Yes, books, books instead of movies. Who likes books instead of movies? A couple, a few, very good, all right. How would you feel if you, if you paid for a movie ticket or you, yeah, if you, if you bought a movie ticket but you were only allowed to watch the last 10 minutes of the movie or you bought a book and it only had the last few pages in it it's not quite as satisfying, is it? Right? Or, or what's worse, you're watching a movie and you're only watching the last 10 minutes of it. Like you, you flip through channels and you see a movie on and you realize there's only like 10 minutes left and you're, gonna, you're just going to watch the end. Um, but there's this big twist ending that just goes completely over your head. The good guy was the bad guy all along. But you're watching it and you have no clue. Why? Because you miss the impact because you missed out on all the conflict and all the story leading up to that moment, to that pivotal moment. We can't have a good story without conflict, right? There has to be some kind of conflict. Nobody wants to watch a movie that is just everybody going to the grocery store or buying their health products and uh, going home to sit on the couch and watch TV and then going to sleep and uh, just... Waking up the next day and going to work. If that was what we were watching, we would get bored with that, right? We're messed up people. We want something bad to happen. We need something interesting to happen. We need something to go wrong. There needs to be conflict. There needs to be a reason to watch. But there also needs to be something happening that gives us hope for a satisfying and rewarding resolution. So that we don't say, well, that was a waste of my time. We don't want to waste our time think of the worst movie ending you've ever watched or the worst book the worst ending you've ever watched what was it? think about it. why was it so terrible? many times it's because the, the, everything that led up to the ending to that moment the, all the conflict, the near misses, the tension the hero doubting himself all of that led us in one direction but the story decides to pull an ending uh, that, that either erases everything that just happened or has nothing to do with the story that was just told. Like, that's why the, the whole, it was just a dream ending. That's, that's like the laziest and most unsatisfactory ending that anybody could use. It was all just a dream. None of it happened. There really wasn't any conflict. None of it was real. We just like to manipulate you. Now, think of the best ending you've ever read or seen. All the conflict was resolved. The hero was vindicated. The couple finally gets together. And the bad guy gets what he deserved. And all of the struggle that the characters went through... Left you you ended up feeling totally satisfied And glad that you went on that journey with them Even if the ending is sad If the conflict led you into that naturally You can still feel satisfied Or you can just do like Lord of the Rings and have four endings If you've seen the last one you know what I'm talking about Tonight we're going to talk about our walk with Christ And see that if we want our ending to be extremely satisfactory and fulfilling and rewarding, then we need to decide if we are going to embrace a certain kind of conflict along the way. Or if we are just going to try to live a life of mere survival. With a very boring ending. So turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we're going to move quickly through most of these verses, but, but we'll camp out in a few places, and hopefully we'll dig up some treasure. All right, we'll start at First uh, Timothy 6, verse 11. I'm going to read up to verse 16. Everybody there? And this is Paul, and he's talking to Timothy. Verse 11, he says, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Now, he had just, he just told him what kind of things he wants him to flee. He wants him to flee bad teaching. And he wants him to flee the love of money. And he wants him to flee harmful desires that are going to pierce him with many griefs. So Paul tells him, flee those things because you are a man of God. And then he tells him, pursue righteousness godliness faith love steadfastness gentleness fight the good fight of the faith take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. So Paul tells Timothy, flee these harmful things, but pursue these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness. Some of your translations may say endurance or perseverance. And gentleness, he tells them to pursue these things. But we need to know, what, what does that word pursue mean? I'm gonna, we're going to go deep tonight, okay? So... The word pers- that word pursue In the Greek is the word Dioko Or dioko D-I-O-K-O And It's used about 45 times in the Bible But more than half of the time The translators Choose to use the word Persecute Now does that mean we're going to Persecute righteousness and per- No, it gives the picture of people In war Chasing down the enemy. Or chasing down something that is trying to get away from them. And they are pursuing it. They are chasing it down. They are overtaking it by force. So Paul is telling Timothy. Chase hard after these things. For this righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. I'm going to be aggressive and I'm not going to let these things get away from me or slip out of my grasp because I am determined to get them. A great picture of this is Super Bowl 27. We just had the Super Bowl a couple weeks ago, but Super Bowl 27 happened in 1993. Most of y'all have no idea. You're all so young. Super Bowl 23 was the Dallas Cowboys against the Buffalo Bills. And the sc- it's in the fourth quarter, and the score is 52 to 17. The game's over, right? The Cowboys are winning. And Buffalo is driving down the field, and they're on the 35 yard line, and the quarterback gets sacked and fumbled. And one of the Cowboys players picks the ball up, and he's running the ball back the other way for a touchdown. But one of Buffalo's wide receivers named Don Beebe, he chased down this big defensive lineman who had the ball. The defensive lineman had run 65 yards with the ball, and when he got to the one yard line, he held the ball out like this to showboat. But little did he know that Don Beebe had streaked up the field right behind him and knocked the ball out of his hand for another fumble that wound up in the end zone And gave Buffalo the ball back You can go home and you, on YouTube And watch the clip But Don Beebe had to streak and run And he was, they were losing The game was over But he put everything he had Into chasing that guy down And getting that ball from him That's the kind of determination We are supposed to have In chasing down this Righteousness And godliness, and faith, and love, and endurance, and gentleness. I tell you, it's a youth service. You get all kinds of illustrations. That's how we're supposed to be. But does everybody do this? No. Of course not. What are some reasons that people don't pursue and go hard after these things? See if you can relate to any of these reasons. Number one, we don't know what they are. We don't know where they are. We don't know where to find them. Some of us don't, just don't know what they are. You should have seen our whole staff and our staff devotions a few Tuesdays ago uh, trying to figure out what is the difference between righteousness and godliness. We spent a good 10 minutes looking through Bibles and books trying to understand what is the difference between righteousness and godliness. You guys have any, any any idea? Give you 10 minutes. All right. Everybody get in your groups, and we'll take 10 minutes to talk about the difference between righteousness and God. No. Um, so, but we got to spend time learning what these things are. Righteousness is like doing the right thing. It's our character. It's It's... What, what, what people see us do, it's how holy we are. Godliness is like our, our inner attitude, um, our, our God-likeness. How we do those things. Faith. Faith, this is, this is deepening our trust in God. Learning how to trust God more. Or it could just be learning more about our faith. Learning what we really believe. And love. We know what love is, right? This unselfish compassion and learning how to serve each other. Steadfastness or endurance. The Greek word actually means to stay under. So it's like we've got something that is pushing us down, but we're going to stay under it. And gentleness this is meekness and humility these are all things that we need and you know what we need all of them we can't neglect any one of them you say well I can have love without gentleness really I mean there is such a thing as tough love but if that's all you ever give people aren't going to like you any mu- very much All right, that's the first one. We don't know what they are. We don't know where they are. Number two, second reason we don't pursue these things. We're we're unwilling. We're unwilling to make a sacrifice. We're just lazy. We don't want to wake up a half hour earlier to do a quiet time. We would rather spend two hours on Facebook every night and we say we don't have enough time to do our homework, right? It's easy to lose time on Facebook. I'm sorry. We don't want to sacrifice any popularity. We don't want to sacrifice any friends or any opinions that our friends might have, any good opinions. We just want everyone to have a totally good opinion of us So we aren't willing to sacrifice to pursue these things or we just think they're unattainable. I can't. I'm not going to be a godly person no matter how hard I try. I'm just going to fail. And it seems like there's too many areas we think we're so far from them it's impossible. And so we won't even try. Or we just think they're unnecessary. We think I'm a pretty good Christian i have enough of those things i'm at a pretty decent level or some people just want to take their salvation and and say that's it i i just i just want my salvation i don't want to grow i don't want any of those things i just want to go to heaven Hmm. if that is all you want if you don't desire Anything from, of God? Any, if you don't desire the things for yourself that God desires for you, then, I mean, I got to, not to be mean or provocative or anything, but I got to question whether you are truly saved. If you just don't care about these things. Paul wants us to know what they are and know where to look for them and not let them escape. Because they are so valuable for us And by Paul telling us To pursue them To chase them down We know that they aren't going to just Automatically happen for us Right No matter how long you wait No matter how old you get Growth will never happen On its own If you aren't putting any Of your own spiritual effort into it And if you don't Put any effort into your Christian life, it's going to feel boring, it's going to feel wearisome, and it's going to feel pointless. You don't have to answer this, but how many of you have moments, days, weeks, months where you feel like my Christianity is just pointless? My walk is useless. It's impossible. Perhaps... It's because you're just waiting for something to happen Without putting any effort or interest into it yourself And this is where the parents need to come in and be encouraging Encouraging your teenager to pursue these things To give them opportunities, to give them a little nudge Some of them need a a big nudge, you know Because we know that teenagers are probably only going to do the bare minimum to get by, right? When was the last time you guys willingly jumped up and said, Oh, I'll take the trash out. Oh, I'll wash the dishes. Unless your parent encouraged you to do it. And they always encourage in loving ways, right? Of course. But the parent also needs to be modeling this pursuit, not just telling the teenager to do it. The teenager needs to be able to see a parent pursuing and chasing hard after these things out of a love for God, not out of a guilt obligation or out of legalism or out of God will punish me if I don't do this. A child, a, te- a teenager, should be able to see a genuine, sincere love for God in their parent, and that will only encourage them to pursue those things too. So Paul tells them to pursue, and Paul also tells them to fight. In verse twelve it says, "Fight the good fight of the faith." Now it, it doesn't mean to literally go out and beat people up, right? But the word here in the original Greek is, see if I can say it right, agonizomei. And this is where we get our English word agony. Agonizomei. We get the English word agony. So it literally means to struggle, to wrestle, to compete in a competition. And he says it's a good fight. It's a good fight of the faith. What are some things that teenagers fight for? Independence, later curfew, unsupervised parties, money, a cell phone, to be able to watch R-rated movies, to listen to whatever music they want to. Be allowed to date whoever they want to? Amongst themselves, they'll fight for respect and popularity. Guys, instead of wasting your energy on those things, how about putting some time into struggling and wrestling with your faith and pursuing and chasing down godliness? Instead of spending hours on Facebook or watching TV, uh, spend some time reading your Bible or practicing that instrument for praise team. Learning how to serve others. Learning how to forgive and repent of your own sin. Learning humility and, and how to obey your parents because you know it pleases God. Not just because you want to please your parents if the only reason you obey your parents is to keep them happy, when you turn 18, you're going to go crazy. But if you obey your parents to please God, when you turn 18 and go to college, and the parents aren't around, you still have God to please. And you won't lose your mind. And I know what you're all thinking. You're thinking... That's too hard. I can't obey my parents. The word isn't agony for nothing. All right? It is supposed to be a struggle. It is supposed to be conflict. If you thought Christianity was just about going to heaven and living an easy life here on earth, man, somebody lied to you. And we're going to straighten that out tonight, right? We're trying to do that. So really, our Christian walk is such a struggle. And that word, agonize is based, it's like a competition and struggling and, and wrestling. And so it's really like our life is really like a big ultimate fighting championship match. And those dudes hurt each other. They struggle. They wrestle to the point of agony. That's what Paul is telling Timothy to do. But usually we get so caught up trying to make our lives comfortable now and we want to avoid that struggle, right? Even if it's a godly struggle... But when we do that, we end up making heaven and Jesus, when he returns, we will end up making that less satisfying and less rewarding for ourselves. How much you put into it and struggle with your faith determines the satisfaction you will have from it. If you're just sitting back and waiting for everyone to entertain you, And do everything for you. And force you to grow. Jesus will mean very little to you. But if you are investing your time. And your energy. And your money. And your affections. On these things. Your reward. Your satisfaction will be great. You know now they even make video games that you get, you get different endings based on how much time you have put into that game. So like, if you explore every single area in this video game, and if you find every single secret, they have different endings that can make you feel much more satisfied about the time you put into the game. It's the same thing with our life. The more time we put into investing into our spiritual growth, the more rewarding it will be for you. So what helps us get through this struggle? Paul tells him, He says, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Get a grip on this eternal life. I won't even try to pronounce the Greek word. Realize the kind of life that you've been given and live it beyond just what you see right in front of you. It is eternal life. You've got to be able to see into eternity and that Jesus is coming back and that he's bringing rewards with him. I compare this to like the feeling I get when I leave Nassau and I go to a place that has mountains. In Nassau, you drive, you know, 100 feet and you got to turn, 100 feet, you got to turn, you got to turn. And so you're only seeing what's right in front of you. But man, when you get up in a mountain and you see the big picture and how big the world really is and how great it is and how awe-inspiring creation is, man, that is satisfying. Paul says, get a true bigger picture of the life that you've been called to live by taking hold of the eternal life that you have been called to. And the level of satisfaction you have when Jesus comes back and rewards you and makes the struggle all worth it, the level of satisfaction, the greatness of that ending will be based on how much fight and struggle you put in. And on how awesome you know Jesus is. You know you would be lost without him. Some of us, if we were really honest with ourselves, we only see Jesus as a, as a good dude who, who lets me go to heaven. And that's all we really want. But Paul, Paul sees Jesus as the greatest person in the universe. And Paul wants us to value Him, not based on His looks, not based on how much money He can get us, not based on how popular He'll make us, but on the fact that He is all-powerful and that He has loved me and chosen me to be a part of His family. Look at how he describes Jesus, the blessed and only sovereign the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. He's just talking about how indestructible Jesus is, how Jesus is the one who gives life. And so we can fight this struggle, we can go through this conflict, we can stay under all of our trouble. Because Jesus is the one who gives life and takes it away. And we can trust him. So, tonight I say to you don't sit on the sidelines. Because riding the bench is no fun. My dad knows how much pine I have ridden in my life. <laughs> I tried out for the soccer team when I was in grade seven, and I made the team, but I, I didn't play. Like, he put me in in the last two minutes, and that was no fun. I didn't get to play in the game. I missed all the action. I missed the contest. I quit the next day. When I was 9 or 10, I used to play on a little league team. And, uh, and, and sometimes I would ride the bench because I was smaller than most of the other guys, even though I was better than most of them. But anyway. Uh, it was all politics, right, Dad? We didn't suck up to the coach enough. But anyway. But I would cry if I didn't get in the game. Riding the bench is no fun. Even if... If you're just on the team and the team wins a championship, it's it's just not quite as satisfying as if you were in the game. And when it comes to our Christian walk, we are the ones who make the decision as to whether or not we will get in the game. Whether we will stay in the game or take ourselves out. Whether our faith will disappear when we're around our friends in school. Or whether they will know what we believe. And invite them to join us. Whether we will sit in the last row in the balcony. Or whether we will be downstairs near the front, being as connected as possible, pursuing, chasing after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. For some of you, things have been really hard, your grades might be hurting. That person that you think is so wonderful, they don't think it back. Your relationship with your parents is in the tank. Your friends are walking away from God. And some of you are feeling that too. Some of you uh, would completely walk away from your faith right now if your parents would let you. think this is just an opportunity for you to get your money's worth on your movie ticket this is the conflict that will make the ending that much more rewarding don't shortchange your life and your joy and your satisfaction when Jesus comes back paul says he's coming back The appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Fight the good fight. Get in the game. Let's pray. Father, your word has challenged us tonight. Challenged me. The ways that I am lazy. The ways that I think I've got it all together. Father, help us to not be satisfied, to continually chase after these things so that we can know you better, so that we can love you more, so that we can be satisfied in our walk. Lord, I pray tonight for, for that teenager who feels like walking with you is pointless. I pray that you would encourage them, that you would... Reward them as they go through their struggles. Lord, we know that you are coming back. Father, I just pray for each person here tonight that their reward would be extremely satisfying and that they would not pull themselves out of this game. In Jesus' name, amen.